Looking to organise an event or break into events? Or perhaps you're already a seasoned organiser? No matter where your experience sits, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Events Unpacked podcast. Learn how to go from good to great, how to embrace industry challenges and activate success in your organisation or career. Now welcome your host, Francesca Peskovs. Hello and welcome to Events Unpacked. Today you are in for a treat. I'm chatting with one of the world's heavy hitters, Luca Balbo, who is Senior Director for Global Events for Microsoft. Based close by Seattle, Luca is responsible for over 40 B2B events globally, totaling between $50 and $100 million per annum. Luca is at the top of his game and we are very lucky to be able to tap into his global mindset and how he manages a large team around the world. Whether you're at agency level or client side, this is a chance to get up close and personal with one of the industry's best. Hi, Luca, and welcome to the show. Hi, Francesca, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I'm really excited for this interview and to give my listeners a global perspective on events as well as strategic insights from such a great brand. Well, so am I. I'm very excited and um, we're looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, great. So, well, let's just get started with some background history on your career and current role. You're Senior Director of Global Events for Microsoft. It's a very key role for such a large company. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about the scope of your role? Well, Microsoft doesn't need introduction, hopefully, but um, when it comes to events, we are very, very invested in events. I should say in experiential and really uh, the many form of experiential marketing. Um, Traditionally, uh, Microsoft has been very committed to driving technical education amongst our uh, key IT professional and developer communities. But we also have, uh, um, we like to, to keep the conversation going with uh, um, our business decision makers and uh, with a number of other uh, audiences, including executives at customer companies, our partners, not to mention, of course, our own salespeople and our our workforce worldwide. So when it comes to event, we have a very broad remit and we have um, um, a very large team, actually. So uh, I have the honor of uh, being responsible for a team within the larger experiential community and production group that is responsible for the international events, as you said. Um, there are other um, colleagues of mine who focus more on internal events, on trade shows, uh, on smaller, uh, what we call white glove uh, experiences. We just do a lot. Just to give you a sense of the volume of events that Microsoft produces. We're talking about uh, the number will probably scare you. Um, I think at last year, about 13,000, one, 3,000 events uh, across the world. Wow. Uh, some of them, you know, a handful of them are very large conferences that we own end to end. Then we have trade shows that we participate to. And then we have tons of very small um, local events um, that t- tend to be uh, driven by our local sales uh and, and marketing teams across the world. So it's uh, it's a big portfolio. It's an extremely varied portfolio and it's extremely exciting and quite a honor to actually be uh, part of this great group that is responsible for this large portfolio. Right. Well, um, what sort of um, technology, I guess, is this a question that I'd have to ask you being at Microsoft, do you use to collaborate and manage events and teams? 
Oh, well, quite obviously, our own technology is is what we leverage. And I don't want to sound like a sales pitch, but we have some uh, some great technology. So an example is, is Microsoft Teams, mm-hmm. um, which has become very popular worldwide in the last couple of months uh, during the, the pandemic. Um, everyone has really discovered the importance of these tools to collaborate remotely with your teams. And Microsoft Teams is, is absolutely best in class. Uh, it can support any sort of business needs, but it works beautifully, uh, especially for um, uh, for large projects like the ones that, that we were talking about. So for example, uh, for our global uh, technical events, uh, our global tours, uh, where we have a virtual team of in excess of a thousand people involved, uh, the majority of them on the West Coast of the US, but many also uh, across the U.S. and all over the world, um, it is quite um, astounding to actually see how uh, technology and and some solutions like Teams uh, can really support these very large um, uh, virtual teams. Uh, but then you know there's the whole um, gamut of Microsoft offering. Obviously, uh, Excel is still the tool that we so, all love to use for many purposes, um, and 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 many others. Um, and generally speaking, we we tend to be very collaborative, very virtual team based, and so everything really kind of uh, revolves around teams. And again, I don't want to sound like a, a, a sales pitch, and I just leave it at that. But uh, uh, it's a bit of our secret sauce, especially at this time. Yeah, look, well, we're talking to you today on Teams as well, so there we go, and it's working there fantastically. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, let's um. Let's go back a bit and talk about your career. So you've had a very interesting career progression. You first off, you uh, you know were studying law in Turin and New York City, and then in PR and account director roles in the UK before ascending the ranks to your current role at Microsoft. Many of my listeners will be looking to elevate their career in events. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about your first pivotal role in the industry, and I guess what inspired you to move more into events? Yes. Uh, so my my career really has been a quite an interesting journey, and uh, I have traveled around the world and lived in many different countries. But my very very first job, and it's not really in my LinkedIn profile or my uh, resume CV, but my very first job was back uh, well many years ago. Let's say I was in a, a team. And I um, I worked at um, for a fashion house for a large Italian fashion house, uh, supporting logistically a couple of their um, um, fashion shows. Uh, that was like you know just a summer um, internship type of role. Um, that though is really what made me realize uh, what um, event marketing uh, experiential is all about. I also had other aspirations. And I went on to study law because that's really uh, the sort of career that I was seeing for myself, um, you know, being a lawyer. Uh, But in reality, uh, my my uh, experience um, in in those years before my my law degree and during my years of uh, uni, where I was still doing some some internships in the summer uh, that were um, in the events world, led me to actually land the first job, which was in automotive. So um, I, I worked Chrysler. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. At that point, it was it was Fiat. I actually worked for for the Ferrari brand for for a couple of years. So automotive manufacturing, and then I moved on to a couple of other uh, positions for uh, for Fiat internationally, uh, and eventually actually moved laterally into PR, which was the area where I kind of really, really grew as a professional in London in the uh, late 90s and the first part of this millennium. Um, so for, for a number of years, I, I wasn't really focusing on on, on events. I was uh, a, um, a communication consultant working for uh, mostly technology uh, clients. Um, that is probably one of the um, insights that I can share that I am uh, probably a more complete type of event professional because I have had other experiences as well. So I, I did PR. I actually uh, had a couple of roles at Microsoft before uh, coming to events that were more uh, along the lines of audience marketing, partner marketing, and even monetization, which is Sounds a little bit arcane, but it's really about uh, figuring out how to make money out of our products. And honestly, these various experiences really have enriched me as a professional and given me quite a quite a few insights um, into marketing at large, but also how really the business works uh, at Microsoft in particular. And that is a bit of a secret weapon to be successful uh, in uh, in my role as a, as an event marketing leader. In that, I can understand. I do understand the business, and I really. Um, and fortunate enough to always be able to bring in kind of a perspective of how events can really impact the business, which is honestly uh, the most important um, thing always to have top of mind in order to be successful in our discipline, like in any other marketing discipline. If you think about yourself personally, what would what is your best skill? You had to choose one skill or personal attribute that has really sort of, you know, helped you through your career. What are you known for? Well, well, I can tell you this, that uh, I'm very annoying because I very rarely think about the now and I even less frequently think about the tomorrow. I always think about the day after tomorrow. So I suppose that, yes, strategic thinking, <laughs> the long term vision, uh, really kind of going beyond what we are trying to do today and, and always keeping in mind the long-term destination and long-term objective. It's kind of a trait of my personality. It's also how I lead my life, to be honest. And uh, it has certainly, it, it is a strength. It certainly is an important attribute. Uh, it has like every every talent and every gift. It has to be managed and leveraged as opposed to become um, sort of a, of a force that controls you in a, without really allowing you to still be in control. So in other words, you need to balance that sort of like a long-term strategic vision with also uh, the creative aspect, uh, being also mindful of excellence in execution and uh, in operations, being very grounded in the how we do things uh, because there's there's probably not a single uh, skill or a single uh, ability that really uh, will make you successful, but it's it's probably a combination of many different abilities. And I would say very important is also being um, acutely aware of what 
one's limitations are or weaknesses are um, so that um, you can surround yourself with people who are better than you are at doing those things, at thinking about those things. And uh, and that's really how you actually uh, build foundations of success. But by ensuring that um, uh, there is an environment, there's an ecosystem around you, there's a team, there are people, there are uh, uh, team members, there are counselors, there are mentors, there are coaches who are there to help you uh, uh, in all those areas where you still have a lot to learn. And frankly, uh, we all always have a lot to learn in most areas in business, as in life. Yeah, well, it's true. Just being open to knowing that you don't know everything. And uh, have you got a mentor that you uh, work with or have worked with in the past? I, I, I've always been very um, keen on, on having mentors. And so right now, at this very moment, I don't. Uh, but I've had... Um, at least three or four mentors uh, in my life. And I would say, you know, probably they would consider themselves still mentors of mine if we had a sort of mentor-like conversation. Uh, But I would say um, a big mentor for me was many years ago, um, a person who actually hired me uh, at Weber Shandwick uh, back in London when I was a communications consultant in the early year 2000. Um, an extraordinarily woman, I would say a natural communicator, someone who, uh, if someone hadn't invented PR already before her, she would have been the one who invented <laughs> it. And so, and, um, and the beauty of the relationship with a particular mentor was that she wasn't even mentoring me about skills or about tips and tricks and tricks of the trade or anything like that. She really just taught me about the importance of being myself and um, really leveraging, um, being very, very authentic and really leveraging um what comes natural, the, the, the gifts that one has and really come from within. And because she was the living embodiment of, of, of that. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us. And that's yeah. the reason why she's no longer a mentor of mine, because otherwise I'm sure we would be having conversations. But uh, I have to say, I sometimes, still to this very day, I, I think about, um, Oh, I'm wondering what she would say and what she would do at this point. So that this still happens. But then I had so many other great mentors and and I really encourage everyone who wants to be successful in business, not only in events, frankly, to um, not to hesitate to approach people that they may bump into in their career, in their day to day work, people that they find interesting, that they believe they can learn something from. Um, never miss those opportunities and you never know where those opportunities come from, to be honest. Sure. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, you probably reference things that she told you many times in your approach and authenticity is really important. Um, in events, not just in yourself. So I think that, you know, your audience know when something's not authentic. So it's a really good tip that you've given. So you've been at the helm of some pretty impressive multifaceted events. Um, Please tell us about one project you're most proud of and why. Well, yeah, first of all, I just want to preface by saying, and really this is not being... um, humble for the sake of being humble. But uh, I truly believe that uh, there is not a single project that I work on, and I work on on very, very large projects, that was really 
the result of um, the work of maybe me or just a few other individuals. In every single occasion, I can tell you that the uh, the big projects that I've been working on have been successful because of the many individuals and the many talents involved. And I think that this is a claim that in, in several industries you may hear, but to be honest, when it comes to events, I think it is very true. And it, it's very similar to what you get in theater, for instance, oh. where truly, you know, you need actors who act and what they do is very different from, you know, um, people who look after lighting or sets or people at the front of the house. I mean, I, I'm absolutely totally unrelated gifts and and professions yet you need them all and you need to be able to to bring the best of these different skills to the table in order to to get a great final product so i'm just i'm just saying that because i think that uh i've been fortunate uh working with for some large organizations that have afforded me the luxury to be able to uh, have great talents and recruit great talent uh and and that's been very instrumental in the success of some of the large projects what well, a project that is very close to my heart and um it's something that uh we've been running for the past 4 years so i mention it because it's been um it's very quite recent and it landed in australia for instance uh, uh, for, for the last four years, is uh, Microsoft Ignite the Tour. That is our global tour of the technical education events um, landing across the globe. We basically take the content that we develop for our for, for our main technical conference in the U.S. and we package it and um, take it around the world. Uh, now, the, the most recent tour was uh, wrapped up in the month of March. It was supposed to um, continue into April, but uh, obviously uh, the global pandemic sort of curtailed our tour a little bit this year. However, um, very proud of the more than 220,000, if I remember well the number, uh, individuals that we were able to uh, reach. Uh, through the tour in person. Uh, very proud of the uh, impact that this particular tour had. From a from a corporate perspective, it was a very interesting exercise because we basically um, took uh, a template, repeated it more than 20 times around the world um, in a very uh, cost-effective way. Um, so I'm, I'm really talking about, you know, the same content, speakers traveling around the world, uh, you know, but also uh, sets and technical equipment um, that would uh, be packaged regionally and and would follow us just really like a um, sort of like a, a rock tour or something like that. Yeah, road show. So a, a road show. Thank you. A very a very cost effective way, uh, but very very powerful uh, considering the the hundreds of thousands of individuals that we were able to uh, to reach to and uh, and also a, a beautiful example of uh, a global. Uh, collaboration. Um, as I mentioned before, I think, you know, thousands of uh, individuals from the Microsoft side involved in producing these events uh, from, I lost count of many countries these people represent. And uh, it was a bit of the United Nations of, uh, of, of event marketing. And it was, and it was a wonderful experience, both on the professional and, uh, and the personal level. 
Yeah, great. And, and and how do you adapt the project to different markets and cultures? Does it need adapting, obviously, in different countries? Yes. And uh, again, this is another example where the resources that a large organization like Microsoft can afford make the difference, to be honest. You know, we have a very strong uh, field organization consisting in uh, subsidiaries around the world. So we have our own people, you know, in the various markets around the world who really uh, are part of the virtual team and help us in uh, tweaking, um, uh, localizing, customizing uh, the events. Um, And we do that uh, both in terms of content, we want local content, local speakers in order to be relevant, uh, but also in terms of experiences, in terms of everything from the way you structure uh, your agenda to the way you lay out the, the, sh- the show to um, to the timings for uh, uh, lunches and breaks. One of the first things that we learned when we were in Australia is, oh, breakfast is important, but elevenses are more important. Mm-hmm. And so just as an example, I think that the, the secret there and how really to uh, keep the sort of like the economy of scales, but also be relevant locally is really to to come up with uh, um, uh, an event structure, an event model that is modular so that you can easily swap in and out components and you can infuse some customization where is needed uh, in, a, in a cost effective way. It's just really the modular approach is nothing is not really rocket science or nothing that has been done hasn't been done before. Uh, but just smart uh, is, economy, is, isn't it? Smart economy, absolutely, yes. This is Events Unpacked, your number one guide to organising a successful event. One of the central themes of this podcast is creativity and, um, you know, delivering a big idea, for example. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about one of your most uh, creatively memorable projects and why you loved it so much? One thing that we did uh, in Europe, that was in the early days of my Microsoft career, more a decade ago, um, at that point, there was a lot of competition in the market for uh, events that were targeting uh, the developer community. And this is still the case. But there was a moment in time uh, where really this really exploded um, about just just shy of a decade ago. And, you know, bear in mind that that was also just before the days also where digital events and uh, digital experience really took off. So it's fair to say that the market for developer uh, uh, oriented events was uh, very crowded. So with my team, we had to uh, find a way to first and foremost um, be above the, the the noise and and really raise awareness of the event and have some very powerful messaging to uh, attract the developers and get them to actually register for our events. So uh, something that I I was really proud of that process was that we decided to get to know our target audience better. And so we invested quite a bit of time in literally spending time with developers and getting to know them better, um, both directly or indirectly. But that's really one of the many secret uh, sources of how to make what this is, these events successful. Mm-hmm. Know your audience very well. That's true of anything in marketing. But um, we, we had to get to know our audience 
best. And we had to understand really what their uh, drivers um, and from decision making were and w- what they felt was important and what was really important for them. And so the insight that we uh, extracted from that exercise was that, and it's a little bit of a dark insight, uh, there is a, a strong sort of competitive, and again, put this in, in history, this was 10 years ago, it's a little bit different now, we're in a slightly different world. But at that point, the competitiveness among developers and uh, and their um, appetite for getting ahead was quite significant. So we basically understood immediately that what was important was to create an experience and, and messages that clearly conveyed the, the benefit of the event for uh, this particular target audience career. Um, so in a beyond just that, if you join this event, you will learn things and uh, you will have fun. If you join this event, you will uh, be able to get ahead in your career. You will learn skills that will you know, push your career forward. And it may sound like, uh, honestly, not rocket science, but it was a big aha moment because that wasn't, that hadn't been up to that point, the way um, um, those conferences had been marketed. They typically had been leveraging more the fun component of come join us for uh, an extravaganza of fun. And we actually changed a little bit the messaging and we were almost alone in the marketplace to actually have a messaging uh, and a marketing campaign for the event that wasn't only speaking to the emotional side or the fun-loving side of our audience, but also to the rational and competitive side of, of their personality. And uh, and it worked. Yeah, it's so, kind of like um, uh, being a thought leader, right? And sort of what's in it for me People were giving away free ideas, free advice, free, you know, it's, it used to be free stuff. You'd come along and get a, a gift or something, but now people want to, you know, have uh, personal development or how they're going to um, get ahead in their career. And then one of the key marketing things that's really common now is obviously that thought leader space. So you're ahead of your time. Well, you know, um, I'm, I don't know. I can only tell you that it was a very big as I said, haha moment for us and, and a big lesson learned. And, and my takeaway there has uh, has really stayed really stayed with me all along my career, which is step one, really know your your audience uh, very, very well and just don't make assumptions, but you know, be very open-minded and and learn. And by the way, audiences change in time. So just don't assume that what you learn about them uh, a few years ago necessarily um, uh, still applies today. Uh, it's very important to really keep that relationship with them. And uh, that will help you be more authentic in the way you approach those audiences, the way you uh, develop an experience for them. And, and ultimately, uh, it will lead to bigger success. Do, how do you keep that relationship with them? Do you have like a... Uh some, you know, obviously using a CRM and then staying in touch with people or do you have people that are relationship uh, kind of uh, specialists within the business? Yeah, it's honestly, it's a very complex setting in the B2B environment and in, in, in tech, it's uh, there's there's not just a single uh, a tool or a single tactic that we leverage. It's, it's a multitude of things. But if I really uh, only look at, the experiential side of things. Uh, honestly, the uh, the trick there is to keep the conversation going. I 
with the community, obviously digitally. And we sort of like uh, changed our perspective. Many years ago, there used to be um, an approach whereby the online digital experience, the, the evergreen 365 days a week ex- digital experience would follow the event, i.e. would sort of like come to life after the event and would uh, continue to offer that content and it will just stay with you through the year until the next event came along. And, and now things just kind of have changed. Community, the ongoing conversation, the, the ongoing uh, online experience has taken I want to say center stage and it's there and it's always very, um, uh, very well curated. And it's really where we put a lot of emphasis and, and resources. And then, you know, once a year, uh, there's that moment in time where that community uh, meets uh, perhaps in the physical world uh, or or uh, still in the digital world, where, but with something different, something special uh, that creates a sort of like the uh, get together uh, moment for for the community but truly it's no longer uh, an online ongoing presence that extends the event it's more like an, an ongoing uh, online experience uh, that is enriched once uh, a year or whatever your cadence is by uh, uh, a great uh, in-person or digital event experience. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Thank you. Um, so in terms of success, um, you know, um, return on investment and obviously, um, you know, stakeholders are important, but how do you measure success and are there some tools that you could recommend to our listeners? There are many approaches and there's this is one of the best topics uh, in our meetings and uh, it's an ever ever evolving topic and and uh, and honestly I don't think any company has necessarily any organizer has necessarily found uh, the ultimate answer to all these questions I but agree I, say, I agree <laughs> really doesn't it's not the case but I think I just mentioned some some key principles uh, the most important thing you know, when it comes to measurements and uh, and measuring impact, that you need to be very clear as to you want to what you want to achieve, and uh, and be very clear as what your goal is and how and how you're going to measure it. But but um, it, it that is absolutely fundamental. It's and it, that is work that that has to happen, you know, before the event, before you think about instrumenting yourself, and before you're thinking about reporting. The 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 most important part of the post event reporting happens at the very beginning of the cycle when you actually agree uh, on your objectives and 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 how to measure them and then kind of once that is done you have very strong foundations and you know that everything can be built upon um in terms of the instruments that we use um i would say that in the in the digital world obviously uh, there, uh, there are ton, there's ton, tons of data that can be collected and analyzed. Actually, probably even too much data. In the in-person experience, uh, again, there could be tons of data that is collected, and you know, some of a digital nature, uh, you know, from leads or tracking uh, in a privacy-compliant way. Obviously, tracking uh, people interactions with uh, with people, with things, and with sessions, and even you know. The way uh, through the Bluetooth beacons, the way people actually move around the show floor. So uh, I think that 
there are there are tons of solutions. And then there's the more traditional, you know, asking the right questions, i.e., the feedback. And and the feedback is also a very important part of our um, um, uh, measurement approach. Um, and I often I'd like to offer this this way of looking at uh, at measurements. Um, there are three fundamental uh, layers when it comes to measurement. The first is uh, measuring um, quite simply um, emotions or 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 uh, actions during the event. So um, you know the, those simple questions around or feedback around satisfaction or simply uh, tracking the number of attendees or where they are in the experience. Then the second level, which is more sophisticated, it actually it's actually tracking uh, people's intents and behaviors. That is already way more sophisticated because if your end goal is to run an event in order to increase sales of a certain product, you can actually in the moment uh, ask your attendees whether attending and learning about your product uh, led them to um, wanting to learn more and potentially purchase that product. So that is not ideal yet, but it's already better than just simply tracking uh, satisfaction or an action that happens on the show floor. You're already tracking uh, an intent. Obviously, the best quality, the best type of, of feedback that you can get or input that you can get is actually tracking the end actions that you want people to actually take. So in an ideal world, that consists in really connecting your event with your CRM systems so that you can keep following the journey of your um, of your attendees after they left the event and understand what sort of actions they're going to take uh, following the event. Uh, and that's really where marketing and sales obviously start to uh, blur, uh, but uh, tracking actual actions that are taken post-event versus simply the intent of, of taking those actions is, uh, is a very powerful way to actually uh, measure how successful the event was in, in driving those behaviors that you want to, to drive. Yes, that's good. And, uh, um, you know, reporting back obviously to stakeholders so that you can get more investment for future events or the, the style of events that actually worked and style of projects that actually work the best. Yes, that is uh, that is super important, and honestly, that could be a uh, subject of another <laughs> very long conversation. Oh, so yes. I, I'm just offering you uh, just some 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 high level thoughts there. Uh, obviously, visualizing and, uh, and and reporting the data is super important. Uh, I don't think there is a problem with collecting data anymore. The problem is actually making sense of data. So uh, again, to the question that you were asking me earlier about technology that can really help the modern event marketer, there's tons of technology there. And again, let me just give you a little plug of Microsoft products, Microsoft Power BI, but there are tons of other solutions in the market. Um, and it's very easy these days uh, to produce some beautiful, uh, meaningful uh, visuals that really help people digest the data. There's just, just, just some great, great, great products uh, in the marketplace. And I really encourage event marketers to become um, uh, savvy when it comes to what technology can do in terms of data visualization, uh, because it's, uh, it really makes a difference. Yes, and we'll have um, show notes on the website afterwards so we can share all of the um, products and insights that you've talked about today. So that's exciting. 
From my experience, the industry loves to learn from some real world challenges. Would you be keen to share a challenge or, you know, a problem that may have happened on a project or event and how yourself or the organisation learnt from it? Oh, well, there's just, there's just so many. I mean, just, we just encounter this every day. So uh, I just need to pick one of them. I suppose that um, one challenge that uh, it can repeat itself in different contexts is basically uh, realizing um, uh, during the event or post event that there was some sort of misalignment or uh, miscommunication among the uh, the stakeholders, those that were involved, and some and that is actually probably the most common uh, um, uh, realization that I've heard, uh, not just from in our own experience, but also other colleagues in other companies and in the industry, just just becoming. Uh, uh, aware uh, uh, during the event or post of uh, uh, some misalignment and, uh, and 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 then seeing some things going all right because basically we simply uh, did not put uh, enough attention in actually bringing all the stakeholders, all the uh, people involved on the same page. So that just reminds everyone of the importance of communication. Uh, technology can help a lot. So once again, I mentioned some of uh, uh, technology solutions earlier that can really help large teams keep in sync and share information. But it has to be um, a sort of a mentality and culture within an events V team. And that mentality is what we refer to often as the growth mindset. So being uh, very conscious that there is always an opportunity for learning that uh, we as human beings are uh, have always the opportunity to uh, improve and to do things better if we are open to bringing everyone on the journey with us and sharing our learnings and also learn from others. So it's a little bit of a cultural thing. It's not really about processes, uh, but it's very important to have the culture within your team and within your organization whereby um, each individual is not really just working uh, with the set of specific goals in mind, but also um, the success of each individual has to be clearly uh, linked also to the success that that individual generates through others or the success that they can deliver by leveraging the work of others. So that the importance of communication being uh, well-lined and honestly, probably over-communicating. I'm honestly, rarely have I heard that we had a problem because we over-communicated, but quite a few times it has happened uh, to hear that we had a problem because we forgot to communicate. So over-communicating is probably uh, a safe bet. And this is true of events as in many other branch of business. Yeah, that's great advice. So obviously 2020, there's some interesting times in our marketplace at the moment um, and challenges, but um, on a positive note, I guess, what excites you about the future of events and the industry? Well, you know, if there's one thing about the difficult times that uh, that we're going through is that um, 
I think we've all learned that and and just reminded ourselves of the importance of human connection. And so that's really uh, connecting. It's really what is at the heart of what events uh, leverage uh, in order to land their their objectives. And so, you know, it may happen on um, uh, through digital media right now. Uh, it will happen again uh, in the physical world and potentially in the bigger blend of physical and digital world. But uh, what is exciting is, is just the, the fact that uh, these extreme situations that we find ourselves over the last few months has, if anything, just reiterated the importance of human connection, um, which uh, it's it's here, it's here to stay, and um, and uh, and maybe uh, what will happen at the end of uh, of this uh, difficult period that we're going through, it will be on the one hand uh, an increased uh, or rediscovered. Um, focus and interest on what what how it is important to meet in person uh, but also uh, an awareness that um, the digital tools can also um, to 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 some extent and in some instances to a significant extent also complement that in-person uh, interaction so um, it'd be interesting to see how this evolves but uh, like every single example of big changes the, the human mind is a, is a very it's very clever is very uh, it's way more adaptable than than we may think and and I'm sure that uh, quite of quite a few interesting lessons will emerge from this experience and and eventually we'll have a, a discipline that is even more uh, resilient and more resourceful resourceful than it was before the crisis yeah there's always a silver lining right there's always a silver lining indeed Another sort of personal question, I guess. We all work very hard in this industry. Um, what are your passions and interests when uh, not hard at work? We've talked a lot about work today, but we want to know a little bit more about Luca <laughs> and what you like to do in your spare time, if you wouldn't mind sharing it with us. No, absolutely. So I, I, I am, I'm a little sad right now because two of the things that I love the most is the few things that I cannot do right now, which are travel and the theater. So... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm a little short-handed right now because um, I just cannot travel as much as I typically enjoy um, for personal reasons uh, aside from work and and also uh, uh, live performances, which are really uh, my favorite form of entertainment. I um, when I was living in London, I, I you will find me at the theater probably two or three nights every week. I'm not, I'm not a TV, I'm not a movie person, but I'm a big um, live uh, theater uh, type of person. That aside, I uh, have uh, a big passion for cooking and, uh, and that's something that really probably has to do also with my Italian origins. And uh, during the, the recent lockdowns, I have mostly spent the lockdown cooking like many, I think. Yes. <laughs> and then, and, uh, and the COVID waistline. <laughs> the COVID waistline, and I've been I've been cooking for the whole neighborhood, um, and you know sharing food in a socially distant way. With what's your What's your favorite thing to cook? What's your favorite meal? I love to bake, so you know pies and the sort of things. But in general, I am I'm, I'm vegetarian, so whenever I can actually use 
vegetables in a very creative way and come up with something that is very, uh, very rich and appetizing, but it's really just vegetable based. It's, it's always a bit of a, uh, an, an exciting moment and uh, definitely uh, something that I've been focusing on in my, my spare time or occasionally during uh, conference calls in the last few months, you know, wearing a headset and, uh, and uh, enjoying myself in the, in the kitchen, waiting for the day where uh, I'll be able to actually uh, spend a bit more time outside of the house. Excellent. Well, look, um, we're coming to the end of our chat and um, I've got a question for you. Um, as, as I mentioned before, a lot of listeners are looking to elevate their career or get break into events. What one piece of advice would you give someone wanting to break into um, live marketing or events? I would say three things. The first thing is to really um, get to know the industry uh, and uh, and do a lot of research because um, if there's one thing that I actually find um, from people who approach the industry or you know they're starting their career, um, there may be some uh, uh, assumptions or uh, there is a bit of a, sometimes a kind of an urban myth that uh, events are all about logistics or, or things like that. I've heard that before. In reality, it's a way more complex environment. And I would say that um, for those who actually approach the, the career, uh, want to approach the career right now, uh, components such as digital and measurement are absolutely important and central, even in the, in, in the traditional in-person environment. So, uh, do a bit of research, read, uh, explore. There's so much available online. Uh, keep an eye on, on, on digital trends and, uh, and, and measurements and metrics, uh, ROI of events, super important. Uh, uh, second thing that I would say is to uh, really remind yourself of just how important uh, authenticity is uh, in terms of um, uh, both the way you design events and experiences, but also in terms of how you relate and work with uh, with with other stakeholders and peers. And the third thing that that I think is a is, is very important is um, realizing that. Uh, at the end of the day, um, when it comes to event, um, there is always uh, a balance of uh, emotional and uh, rational uh, elements at play uh, with uh, with your attendees. You could argue that perhaps um, you know consumer events or um, events that are closer to the entertainment industry may be more about the emotional side than the rational side, but generally. Speaking, the vast majority of events have some sort of commercial aspect attached to them, and so you cannot forget that that rational side of things, which could be, you know, uh, ranges from uh, the reason why to attend to uh, being very rational and dispassionate in, in in accepting that you need to have some sort of impact on the business, and that therefore you need to be very clear on your objectives and how you're going to measure them. Which goes back to the to the measurement observation that I uh, that I made just a moment ago. Well, that's great advice. Thank you for sharing. Um, how can listeners follow you, Luca? 
I, I'm on LinkedIn, and that is actually my main uh, uh, social platform. Um, so it's it's easy to find me there. Um, and uh, and I would say for those who are passionate about uh, technology, um, I would just recommend uh, following uh, what Microsoft does in the space of event marketing. Um, so Microsoft.com forward slash events is a good uh, way to to keep up to speed with. Uh, uh, with our event portfolio. And if anyone has any uh, question or, uh, you know, just wants to share their uh, their comments around what we are doing or what I said during this uh, uh, this lovely um, interview, uh, please don't reach, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. As I said, LinkedIn is, is the best way. It's my preferred way to communicate with the external world. That's very generous of you. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for your time. And I've really enjoyed hearing all your insights. What a great um, chat we've had. And uh, people are going to really um, take away a lot from this. We could probably talk a whole lot more, but I know that you're a, a busy man uh, with um, projects to produce. Um, so it's been fantastic connecting you with my Unpacked listeners. Um, I look forward to the future and seeing more of your events on the global stage. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Francesca. It was really a pleasure talking to you and a honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and bye for now. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Events Unpacked podcast. Head over to francescapescops.com and access all the tools and resources discussed in today's show. That's francescapescops.com. Until the next time, hit subscribe and have a nice day.